Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Well, the good news Tuesday night is the Red Sox struck out Bubba Starling four times and four at-bats. The bad news is they couldn't stop really any of the other Kansas City Royals. It was a stink bomb from Andrew Kashner again, a 6-2 loss at Fenway. Is Kashner simply the right-handed, bushy-bearded Texas version of Eric Bedard? The guy you bring in to improve the narrative, and instead he makes the narrative worse. Well, it's possible, but more problematic right now. The Red Sox are once again very close to being a 500 ball club. We'll get into it and try not to lose our composure. No promises. This is Sox Daily. It's your Daily Sox Podcast. It's your Daily Sox Podcast. It's where you're going to find out what the Sox are doing. For some weird reason, the left field scoreboard has read not KC with the Royals in town, as we're used to. They've gone instead this series with K-City, which nobody calls Kansas City, but okay, K-City. Uh, and that was about right Tuesday night. The Sox struck out in big spots early. K-City. They gave up some home runs along the way, too. They uh, they struck out collectively in their attempt to simply beat a team that came in 33 games under 500. Not what you need when you're trying to chase down a wild card spot. Josh Lewin with you, and at least for the most part this season, the Red Sox playbook has been pummel the bad teams while doing squat against the good teams. 37-19 and 19 against teams under 500 while going 23-36 and 36 against anyone who's 500 or better. And with KC decidedly in that first category, and you've got them at home, for golly sakes, you got to beat them while you got them here. Uh, the Red Sox Monday night had won their eighth straight game against the Royals, their longest winning streak ever against that club. But Andrew Kashner did very little once again on the mound. Mookie Betts was hitless, as was JBJ, the top and bottom of the order, a combined 0 for 8, and a loss that keeps the Sox around six games out of the playoffs. I'm done talking about the eight-game losing streak, although it is now losses in 9 of 10. Since 2010, there have been seven playoff teams that have had losing streaks of at least eight games. Most recently, the 2017 Dodgers, who actually lost 11 in a row, although they did that at a time when they'd all but sewn things up. But that same year, the Rockies had an eight-game losing streak. They won the wild card, 87 and 75. But those 2017 Rockies... Well, they were aided by the the lack of really premium teams in the National League that year. It's doubtful that the Rays and the A's are just going to go away. They're both on pace for 93 wins. So, you know, the the Sox are not going to get in the postseason with 87. If the Sox need even 90, they've got to go 30 and 16 the rest of the way. The Tuesday night loss means they're now two games under 500 at home. Compare that to the Yankees, whose home record is 43-18. and 18. Houston is 43-15, and 15, which is how it's supposed to go. 
Runs allowed last week and a half as the Sox have dropped these 9 of 10. Uh, I'll just roll through the numbers here. They're all high. 9, 6, 8, 9, 4, 9, 6, 7, 5, 6. And that's with a rotation that includes sale and price. No threes, no twos, no ones, no zeros. Everything's a four through nine. And you just can't win that way. You can't. The, the two games before all this, they won them, but they allowed six in both of those. The last time the Red Sox allowed as few as two runs in a game. I'm not talking about a shutout, just two runs in a game. July 18th, when they actually did shut out Toronto. But that's three weeks ago. Three weeks without the pitching staff posting a zero, one, or a two. Cashner, six runs allowed, including the bunch more home runs. Uh, he lasted five and a third innings. And as solid as he was as an Oriole, of all things, he's been a guy with an ERA of eight as a Red Sox. So he, it's like he was a Red Sox in Baltimore, but an Oriole in Boston. At least he met the media after the game. And here you go. Yeah, I thought I had good stuff. Um, made three mistakes. They had three home runs. It's kind of the way it goes. But, you know, <clears throat> this is a team that we got to beat. I got to be better. I just think I just made too many mistakes and they've hammered them here um, when I've made them. Um, but I think it's, uh, you know, pitched up here for a long time. So, I mean, this has uh, probably been one of the toughest stretches of my career. Um, I just got to get back to uh, what I do well and get back to that and, and get them on Sunday. Yeah, it's been tough. I mean, um, I think over the course of my career, I've been good at limiting damage. I haven't done a good job of that since I've been here. Um, mistakes are too up in the zone. Um, haven't really done a lot of things well, but um, you know, we still have a month and a half left. Like mechanics? Or... I don't really know. What was the game plan against Soler there in the sixth inning? Uh, I mean, just trying to throw a slider weight on it. Over your career, you've been obviously much better the first time through the order. As they go through the tend to get a little bit better. What, what do you think that is? And how difficult is it to get a guy out of the I don't know. I'm not a numbers guy. Oh, just so tough to fathom how poorly it's gone for Kashner, who looks, by the way, almost exactly like Tongas from those AMPM Mini Mart commercials. Tongas! But the, uh, the numbers don't lie. Men lie, women lie, numbers don't lie as a rapper of some renowned ones told us. Cashner in his first five Red Sox starts, seven home runs allowed. In his last five starts in Baltimore, it was zero home runs allowed. No home runs hit by the Red Sox in this game. Devers had a double, but that was about as good as it got. Uh, first time in a record-setting 18 home games without a home run. Kansas City hit three, two of them by Jorge Soler, who's now tied for second in the AL with 31. You never see a Kansas City Royal up that high. So Lair, I think mostly due to injury, had only 14 home runs total his first two years in Kansas City. But a late bloomer now, he's a force to be appreciated. And it's funny, the, the wave of Cuban imports, I think, is usually broken down very cleanly between studs and washouts. You've got your Cespedes, Puig, Abreu, Gurriel, Pyle, big-time players. Then you've got Rusny Castillo and Yosemite Tomas over here. And so Lair had always occupied a somewhat lonely middle ground of a Cuban refugee who had been just okay, but he could hit 40 home runs this year. Ryan O'Hearn hit a home run off Kashner, having been one for his last 25 at the time he hit that thing. Hunter Dozier homered for a second time in as many games. Kansas City had not hit 
three home runs back-to-back games since 2017. They just did that to the Sox at Fenway. Anyway, uh, yeah, Kansas City out homers, Boston 3-0. Kansas City 27th in OPS this year in baseball. The Red Sox second, but them's the breaks. Alex Cora forced to at least talk about all this stuff, uh, talking about leaving Kashner in, all the thought processes during the game. Here's a little bit of AC for you. Slider for balls, hanging slider for a strike. Um, we're thinking Taylor for for the lefty, two, two batters later, but, you know, it was, I guess, you know, it didn't work out. He only gave up, I think, 11 home runs in Baltimore, which is obviously a pretty good hitter's ballpark, and He's got five, uh, six and uh, seven and five starts here. What, what do you think the issue is there? Yeah, I mean, today was the three mislocation. Um, the first fastball to Soler was supposed to be down and away. I was up and in, and he put a good swing on it. The one to the left, he threw to change up hanger. He hits out of the ballpark, and then he hung a slider. And, you know, um, I know he doesn't want to do that. I think command has been on and off. Today, the fastball was actually... His best fastball as far as location, except for the one to Soler. But um, you know, they're taking advantage of the the pitches in the zone. We go back to the games, you know, when he got here to Oscar, the changeup down the middle. Mancini, there was a changeup that hit out of the ballpark. So, you know, um, when when you, we can keep the opposition to keep, you know, to keep the ball in the ballpark, we, we're paying the price, and that's the case with uh, Cash. Is that something? Uh, he, he was pretty good in Baltimore, obviously. Do you think since he came over, maybe putting too much pressure on himself or just having a hard time uh, making no, the adjustment? Not, not really. Um, you know, we've been looking at stuff, you know, as far as like usage and all that. And, uh, and in the last one, we talked a little bit about using the four-seamer. And uh, he had a good fastball today, I think, velocity-wise and location-wise. It's just, you know, the, the walk before the homer, um, you know, with two outs, and then, you know, he misfires right there. It's one swing, two runs. Uh, and I'll probably, he'll talk about that one instead of, you know, just misfiring a fastball, you know. Um, as you know, in, in this in this game, you give the opposition one extra out or one extra hitter, you know, with two outs. Um, lineups are going to make you pay, and they did right there. But uh, I don't think it's extra extra pressure. I think, you know, we, we're keeping things simple. It's kind of like the same game plan. Just, you know, he's not executing his pitches and, you know, they hit in the ball out of the ballpark. Um, offensively, with runners in scoring position, can you diagnose what's going wrong there besides, you know, things like guys pressing or anything like that? Is there I don't know if it's pressure. That? I know we, we expanded the zone today um, against him. Um, you know, there were some pitches that um, there's no, and they were to the edges of the zone and you can't do damage there. And uh, I think that's what we did. Um, we Today we... I think we swung out a lot of pitches that, or they were out of zone or pitches in the edge of the zone that we can't do damage with it. Trends you're seeing lately? I think last week, you know, it was good pitching in certain situations, but uh, we we also swung up pitches in the edges. But it's not like I don't think it's you know it was that bad. But today I felt like we we got out of the out of the strike zone and you saw what happened. Um, you know, when Kashner first came, it was all about you know getting length and getting the six innings. But on top of that, how much is it to get this guy right? How important is it to get him right and actually you know get wins when he's on the mound? I mean, um, there's a reason we brought him here, and uh, you know we we believe he's a good pitcher. Um, you, know, you see flashes of his stuff and what he can do. Today he was cruising through you know three until that walk, you know, and even 
there, you know, there's a walk. It's only 2 nothing, And then, then, you know, he made a pitch on, on Gordon. He gets, you know, the runner to third. It was a fastball up to, to the next guy. He got on top of it. There's nothing he can do there. But then, you know, he hung a slider, and, and that was it. But, um, you know, we we trust him. I think stuff-wise, you know, he's still throwing the ball well. You know, if we have to make adjustments mechanically, we'll take a look at it. But um, I, I do feel it's just, you know, um, location. You know, we saw the, the walks in the previous one, and today just the three pitches, you know, and that was that was it right there. Obviously, you, you had to scratch J.D. yesterday with a back issue, and he takes off stealing in the first inning today. What were your thoughts there? No, that was me. Um, you know, two strikes, looking for a slider or a pitch in the middle. Yeah, he's okay. He was ready to run, so that, that was me, you know. Yeah. Anything else, Ralph? We're good. All right, that is the manager, and we'll, we'll try to give you a couple good things here. Christian Vasquez, two for four with a double. He's got a new career high in hits now. Already had his career highs and runs batted in and walks and runs and homers. J.D. Martinez now back up to a 300 batting average right on the belly button. Two for four with a double in the game. He's hitting 388 in his last 17 games. Looks like the back is just fine. Pitching-wise, Marcus Walden very quietly has not allowed a hit to his last 20 batters faced going back to July the 28th. Darwin's in Hernandez. One more inning, three more strikeouts. Amazing. He has struck out 43% of the batters he's faced as a big leaguer. He is averaging 18.2 strikeouts per nine innings now in the major leagues. And Josh Taylor, not the, the pyrotechnics like that, but he's at a 2.2 ERA in his 23 games since coming back up on, on June 14th. I promised you guys a dad joke after every loss this month to try to ratchet up the levity factor. So here you go. Uh, skeleton walks into a bar, says, give me a beer and a mop. That's a thinking man's dad joke right there. Now, got to leave you with this before we actually uh, preview the finale of this three-game series with KC. The Players Weekend info came in on Tuesday, and allow me to vent for just a little bit. I, I hate to sound like a curmudgeon. Uh, it's always a, a thing with me. I, you know, I don't want to be that guy shaking his fist at the clouds like Grandpa Simpson. This is not about a guy who's middle-aged like me, starting to go gray a little bit, uh, you know, being some somebody who doesn't like the whole concept of Players Weekend. I love the concept of Players Weekend. I love the, the day-glow uniforms, the, the names on the back of the jerseys. We'll get to that in a second. But this, this monochromatic thing they're going to roll out, white letters and numbers on white jerseys for the home team. I'm not kidding. Black on black for the road team. So the Red Sox Players Weekend, they're going to find themselves in San Diego. I was looking forward to the bright red and blue for the Red Sox, some some brown and, and mustard yellow for the Padres like in the old days. No, it's going to be all black against all white for those three games and in every other game in the majors too. And this is why I, I don't like messing around with, with uniforms in the first place. If you do, at least know kind of which teams are which because when, when you start doing this stuff, if something historic happens, somebody has a four-home run game, and you're going to want to look at that forever and ever and show your grandkids. Let, let's say Mookie Betts has a five-home run game in San Diego. And for the ages, it's going to be Mookie Betts in an all-black uniform, top and bottom, against a team that is in all-white. And you're not going to know who did that against whom. If you watch SportsCenter anytime that weekend... You're going to, well, or, or even worse, let's say you watch MLB Network and they show all 15 games all in a row. You know what you're looking at? 15 straight games, a full hour of highlights of a black team against a white team. 
I, I, I don't like that even a little. It's not, I mean, that, that's not instructive. That's not fun. And if the whole idea is to get the players' names on the back of the jersey so we can all appreciate them, how are we going to see white on white or black on black? And, I, and then you're going to tell me, okay, well, we're just going to watch it on TV. They'll, they'll, you know, they'll put the graphics up. What about the people paying $45 to sit in the mezzanine in San Diego? And let's say there are some creative San Diego names, which there are. They won't know what they are. They can't see them. Come on, guys. Anyway, uh, I go back to the 2017 season when they started this stuff with the, the, the Players Only Weekend. And there were some good names that the Red Sox ran out there. Kimbrell was Dirty Craig. Even Drew Pomerantz was Big Smooth. Sale was Stickman that year. Barnes was Barnacles. I'll give you the rundown here in 19 of what we're looking at. I think even this shows you what kind of season it's been for the Red Sox. So the creativity is a B-minus at best. Barnes is not Barnacles now. He's Barnsey. Benintendi is Benny. Mookie is Mookie. And that should appease Tony Clark because, remember, the Players Union chief said he should be known just as Mookie, and we should all know who that is. So at least that'll be on the back of his uniform. Oh, I'm sorry, if we could read it, what's on the back of his uniform. Xander Bogarts will be X-Man again. Jackie Bradley Jr., JBJ. Andrew Kashner is Cash. Okay. Michael Chavis says he'd, he'd like to be Ice Horse, but he had to put in the, uh, the request back in April, or actually before that in spring training. Didn't even know he'd be in the big leagues. But his nickname's always been Chief because he does have Native American blood in him. He's a one-quarter, uh, as a matter of fact. So, um, And that's not offensive. I'm sorry. It's not. If Seth Lugo can call himself Puerto Rican, because he's one-quarter Puerto Rican, uh, I think Chief is fine. But he'd rather be Ice Horse. We'll see if he can get it changed. Rafael Devers is still Carita for babyface. Nathan Avaldi is Nitro, because he throws 100. Darwin's and Hernandez is Hernandez. Brock Holt isn't even Brock Star this year. He's B.H., Brian Johnson is BJ. Don't laugh. Seriously. Sandy Leone is Noah, because that's his son. J.D. Martinez is Flacco again, means skinny. Goes back to, uh, to his high school days. Mitch Moreland is still two bags for Mitchie Two Bags. Steve Pierce was, uh, if he had been around, would be Pierce. Dustin Pedroia, if he were here, would be Petey. Rick Porcello is going to be Porcello. Come on, guys. David Price is going to throw up the X. X for his son, Xavier, X410, his uniform number now. Eduardo Rodriguez, El Gualo. Chris Sale, the conductor. I love that he's embracing this. The conductor, the conductor punches the, the tickets, right, when you get on a train. And with all the punch-outs, that's where he's going with that. I don't mind that one at all. Josh Taylor is Taylor. Ugh. Sam Travis, Dr. Chill. You're the winner so far, Sam. I'm, I'm digging Dr. Chill. Uh, Christian Vasquez has always been Colo. Marcus Walden, it will, it will be Waldo. There he is. Ryan Weber is Webb, and Brandon Workman is Work. This whole podcast has been Work tonight. I'm just trying to find some interesting things to say after a 6-2 to two loss to Kansas City. At the very least, we can look forward now to an Eduardo Rodriguez start on Wednesday. That is the finale. And they get this win, they, they end up 5-1 and one in the season series, as they should against Kansas City. Eduardo against Glenn with two N's, Sparkman. Sounds like a State Farm insurance agent. Like a good neighbor, Glenn Sparkman is there. Erod has already beaten KC once this year. No walks, seven strikeouts, and six innings back at Kauffman Stadium in June. For the year, 4.19 ERA. It's a little higher than last year, but he's already six innings past where he ended last year. 
and his record is 13-5, and five, same as last year, by the way. Difference is the Red Sox were otherwise 95-49 and 49 in non-Erod decisions last year. This year, they are 47-51. and 51. Anyway, if you get this win Wednesday, you've still got the shot at the 6-1 and one homestand, which I said on the podcast yesterday is what you really do need to have when you're entertaining the Royals and the Angels. The Angels are a, a mess right now, just uh, clobbered by injuries. You really should sweep that team. You gave Kansas City one on Tuesday. Get one back on Wednesday, fellas. We'll have a podcast for you after it's done. This is Josh Lewin. Thanks so much for tuning in. We like to call it Sox Daily. Tell your friends about it. Subscribe to it. We appreciate it. Take care. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.